Hebrews chapter 12, please. Bless his name. Beginning to read of verse 18. For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burn with fire, nor unto the blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men, made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator, mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See, that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him but speak on earth, that, that speak on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. We know the Lord will bless his own word. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you, Lord, that you've never left us and neither have you forsaken us. Thank you, Lord, that you know everything about us. And yet, Lord, those things that are Lord, not the nicest of things and unpleasing, yet, Lord, through them you still love us. All because of the Lord Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son. Father, we pray this morning that you would enable your people to hear and understand the word of God. And Lord, may the Father's heart be open to everyone this morning. May it be renewed to every heart to give us courage this morning as we see you and what your Son has accomplished for us at the place called Calvary. So glorify your own name, we pray. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. Amen. Last week we looked at riches of the new covenant. We've done part one. This morning, of course, will be part two. As I said, I want to carry it on for, well, we'll see for how long the Lord allows us. We want to do, an, well, more or less an A to Z or an A to Z on the, on the riches in the new covenant, picking certain verses. So it will be different every week. Last week we showed you some of the older covenants, the Noahic, the Abrahamic, the Mosaic, the Davidic. Uh, covenants, and then, of course, we stopped at the New Covenant or the New Testament, which is the Covenant of Christ, which is the Covenant of Grace, and of course, it is the New Covenant mentioned in both Jeremiah and repeated again in the book of Hebrews, chapter 8, and verses 6 to 13. Last week, we looked at the New Covenant has a more excellent ministry. Secondly, the new covenant has a mediator of a better covenant, so it is a better covenant. And thirdly, it is established upon better promises. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 tells us, For all the promises of God in him, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, are yea, and in him are amen. Of course, he is the mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all. That's where we stopped last week. In our reading again this morning in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, we hear of a mountain, the law is given, and there's a great quaking, a great shaking, a great thundering. And we looked at how the, the, the awesome power and presence of God coming on the mountain causes a mountain to shake and to quake. And yet we're told in church circles today that when the power of God comes, you know, for people, if I could use the term quake and shake, that's how the Quakers got their name, by the way. They, they used to sit and the Holy Ghost came in and they used to sit and shake. That's why they got the name Quakers. And they used to quake before the Lord. And, of course, they were called Friends, uh, Society of Friends. Anyhow, we're, we're not Quakers. We're not going down that line. That's just uh, by the way. And people say that God can't move in a heart. And we have loved ones who aren't saved. We have loved ones who need touched. And we wonder, Lord, can you reach them? Can you touch them? You know, God can cause a mountain to quake. God can cause your loved ones to quake. And when you're in his presence, God should be able to cause you to quake. God should be able to move you, whether it's to a, a place where you, you, you come to him in, in sorrowful uh, heart to say, Lord, I have failed you, but trusting in your grace. Or whether it's a place where you come to where you're not saved and you repent before him. God should be able and is able to make every heart quake and every heart be touched. So here we have the mountain and the law. But then it says, look, even the beasts couldn't touch it. See, that's what the law does. Now, the law is perfect. There's nothing wrong with the law. The weakness is in our flesh. The weakness is you and I. And you and I cannot attain to that which the Lord demands to be able to enter heaven or the kingdom of God. You and I can't attain the law. You and I can never keep the Ten Commandments. Yet we're not saying we're to live in sin, open course of sin. The commandments or the law of God is written in our hearts. The Holy Spirit keeps us in line. And the thing is, becomes precepts. I'll give you this example once before. Let me give it to you again. If you have in your home uh, a list maybe stuck on your fridge, the do's and don'ts for your children, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, and so on, your children could look at them and read them on the fridge door, and as soon as they go out into the living room or outside or up to their bedroom, they forget them. Because they've just read them, they stay on the fridge door on that note that you've placed on the door. But when your children have a reverence, a respect, and a love for you, and they know this is what you want them to do, they know this is the life you want for them, this is the way you want them to react, they want, you want them to live. When they love and respect you, they keep it out of love. Because they love you. Now when you think of it, do we always love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and with all our strength? Every moment of every day, every second, do we always? And the answer is no, because that would only be impossible. Because we're human beings. So we've already broken a commandment. So that's why we need the grace of God. Here is a mountain that's shaking. Here the beast cannot come to it. And this gives the idea of where you and I would be at that day of judgment outside of Christ. 
that awesomeness, that power of God that we would stand before. But here we're told a word in Hebrews chapter 12. There's a little word and it's the word but. But ye are come to Mount Zion. We looked at the company that we keep. We looked at the company that we're part of and the company that we're in when we're in the heavenly choir, as it were, when we're redeemed with the blood of the Lamb. But you're come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. So here the Hebrew writer is saying this. He's saying, we're come to all these things when we're saved. This is where we are. This is our new company. This is our new lifestyle. This is the way we should be living. And this is the company we should keep. Heavenly company, good company, godly company, praising and worshipping in the company where God's people are, in company where there's proper language being used, in the company where there's proper mentality being used, in the company of faith, in the company of those who are illuminated by the Spirit, regenerated by the power of God, washed in the blood of Jesus, coming to the throne of grace. That's the company as believers that we should be fellowshipping with and keeping. Not worldly company. For know what it says here? It's, uh, the Hebrew writer then says, And if you refuse Jesus and his blood, but unto Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, if we refuse Jesus and his blood, we're told that we were in trouble. That people would be judged outside of Christ. For he says then in verse 25, See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Moses spoke to Israel and they refused him. The prophets spoke to Israel and they refused him. And God brought judgment upon the nation. And that's what's happening in our nation, the United States, and, and all the things that you're seeing that's happening and going on and all the, the sin that's going on, they've thrown out the commandments of the Lord. They don't want to know about the Lord Jesus. The gospel is no longer allowed to be preached. Even street preachers are being arrested. And we look at the sin that's going on in the nation. And what happens is we are refusing this company. We are refusing the Lord Jesus. We are refusing his blood. And so he says, see not that you refuse because God did not spare old Israel. And God won't spare you and I. But you and I are in Christ this morning. So you and I are redeemed with precious blood. We are bought with a price. You're not your own. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we have a, an opening for us. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, please. I want to go here before we start with the letter A. Ephesians chapter 1. We'll do little variations like this as the weeks go on in the Lord's will. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians chapter 1, and let's read from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Outside of Christ, does that say? In Christ. We are blessed in Christ. Now notice this. 
according as he hath chosen us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, there's our lifestyle, and without blame before him in love. Now we've looked at that before, that you were before him in love. You are before him in love. Even this morning you're before him in love. Notice, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. The term good pleasure of his will there is a a Greek word, thalema. And it means according to the good pleasure or the desire, the good desire out of the heart of God. God has a good heart and his good desire is toward you in Christ this morning. His desire was good for you. His plans are good for you. His thoughts are good toward you. God had a destiny and it's good for you. Heaven, kingdom of God, forgiveness of sin, washed in the blood. You're a privileged people this morning. You're a prized people this morning. And you're a precious people this morning. And here's the thing, you will be privileged, prized, and you will be precious. Every morning, every day. You know why? Because of the heart of your father. Because of the heart of Almighty God, even before you were a twinkle in your mummy and daddy's eye, he knew you, he loved you, he had a plan for you, a purpose for you, and he will perfect that which he has begun in you. And that work in you is a good work. It is a work of the Holy Ghost, and he will perfect that which he's doing in you. Let the Lord move in you. Let the Spirit do his work in you. Let the Spirit lead you and guide you. Let the Spirit do that renovation in your heart that you need done. Let him renovate you from the inside to the out. Let him change your mindset. Let him change your thoughts. Let him change your pattern of life. Let him change where you would go and what you would do and how you would think and the things you would say. Let him change that part of you that gets lethargic and backward and lazy. Let him change that bit of you that limits his spirit. Let him move into every corner of your heart, the deep inner recesses that the Holy Ghost has placed his finger on and says, what about this and what about that part and what about the other thing? Give it to me and I will bless you. And we hold it so dear, we hold it so tight and we are robbing ourselves of the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it instead we withhold it and it pertaineth to nothing instead of giving it to the Lord and he breathes life and newness into us God wants to bless you so let him let the Lord move upon you and let him bless you this morning he has a good heart for you good plans for you it is according to the good pleasure of his will. The word is again the desire of one's heart and one's emotions. You know, God has emotions. You know, people say, oh, don't be getting too emotional. Well, God has emotions. That's what the Greek word means. God has a good emotion for you, a good plan for you and purpose for your life. You may say this morning, well, you know, I don't really feel it. You don't need to feel it. Just let God do it. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God, he says. Let him do it. You say, I can't cope anymore. Let him cope. 
Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You say, I can't cope with all this thing that's going on in my life at the moment. Well then, just relax in his presence. Pray, seek his face and say, Lord, I can't. But you can. And leave it with the Lord, for he has good things lined up for you. He has good plans in store for you. It's the good pleasure, not the bad thoughts, but good pleasure toward you. Good thoughts, good plans for your life. Let God lead you. And see the ending of all things. All the things that man has. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. It's about man striving. Man striving in work. Man striving at home. Man striving in the field. Man getting and grabbing and building his own kingdoms. Pulling in for his own riches and wealth. And listen, there's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with doing well. But when man is striving so hard and God is put to the side and the things of God has been put to the side and even this morning as we heard God has answered prayer and blessed us with that for which we have prayed and we forget God, we stand back, step back, don't worship, don't be grateful and we don't thank him anymore. We couldn't care less. Our eyes are focused on the job prospect that we wanted and we got for for the things that God has blessed us with. Instead of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God will add all these things unto you. Here is God saying. I have a good pleasure. And it's a good will. A good heart. Good plans. And a good purpose for your life. So it's allowing God to be good in our lives. And even when you don't feel it. You ever get up in the morning and you just don't feel it? That's why we don't go on feelings, but we walk in faith. Lord, you know I feel a bit low, down, feel rubbish this morning, Lord. Oh, you know, you get up and you don't know why you're blew up or stuffed. You don't know why you're, what is it, punctured or bored or something like that. Is that what it is? You don't know, but the same thing is that God hasn't changed. God doesn't get up in the morning because God doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber, neither does he sleep. He doesn't get up in the morning and say, I'm having a rough day, I'm not going to bless him. He doesn't get up in the morning and say, I'm having a bad day today. God doesn't have bad days. God is in control of every day. God is in control of your day. And tomorrow when you get there, in the Lord's will, when you wake and you're up in the morning, God is is already there and he's already in control. Now you and I might get to that day And we may say, Lord, I didn't expect this day to go like this. You've had many a day like that, so have I. And we think, Lord, I don't like this day. But God just says, trust me. This is the day. So the Lord hath made. So then rejoice and be glad in it. It's his day. Let's look at Ephesians 1 again in verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Notice, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Now, see in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. Notice what it says, in whom, that is in Christ, speaking of him, 
Speaking of the new covenant in whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Notice that. We have redemption in Christ through the shedding of his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I'm going to say it one more time. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You see in the new covenant when Christ died, shed his blood, and he cried it is finished. Your sins were paid for. Past, present, and future. All paid for. All done. Finished. Jesus bought it up. Took that price you and I couldn't pay. And he paid it all. Now we say again that we are to live a lifestyle of holiness. We are not to live in in an open course of sin. We are not to live how we see fit and how we feel we should live. We are to live before God. Let's make that clear now. It's not a license to sin. But notice what it says here. He redeemed us with his blood. We have the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. I want to show you something before we go into letter A. See where it says here, according to the riches of his grace. The word according here is the word kata. It's a Greek word, kata. And it means down. Down. In other words, it gives the idea of something that is dominating something else. So it gives the idea of domination. It speaks of control. That's what this word means. Control. Down. Kata. Domination. According To the riches of his grace. So in other words. The degree of God's forgiveness. He's ready for this. The degree of God's forgiveness. Is controlled. Is dominated. By the riches of his grace. I want you to get this because this will help you. The word here, to give the idea of domination or control by the riches of his grace. The word here for riches is the word plantos. And it means wealth, abundance, plentitude. In other words, the wealth, the abundance and the plentitude of God's grace is unending. It's infinite. It abounds over our sin. So the forgiveness that you and I have under the blood of Christ, under grace, is the forgiveness is unqualified. It is complete and unchanging since it is controlled by God's grace. Now let me just give you something that will maybe get that into you. Do you see whenever you just breathe? (laughs) Do you see, just because you're living in a body of flesh, you'll be sinning and not even realize it. Yet you're forgiven. Because God's grace is rich. It is in abundance. The plentitudinous of God's grace 
controls and dominates your life. You failed and you think God will never forgive you. You've let him down and you feel bad in your heart and you think, Ah, Lord, you're finished with me now. There's no way you'll accept me back. You've acted wrong or you've said something wrong or you've done something wrong and you think, The Lord would never forgive me now and I'll never have a relationship again with the Lord the way I did and I'm separated from God. I want to tell you that's not right. God's grace dominates your life because he placed his love on you. And God's grace dominates your life. God's grace controls, controls the forgiveness. In other words, because he is unending and everlasting, so is his grace. And his grace covers you every time you let him down. And every time you sin, the riches, the wealth, The abundance of God's grace, you'll find in that, his forgiveness. So if you feel this morning, God, I can't go on with you because I've let you down. Join the club. Join the club. We're all the same. But his grace will abound over your sin. His blood has already paid the price. You get up and you get on with it. Move on with God. You're forgiven this morning. You're forgiving because Christ has died for you. You see when God looks at you. God doesn't look at you and say. Ah see him and see her. They're so bad. And what sort of children is that that I've reared here. You know I'm bringing them up and they've failed me again. I'm so angry. I'm going to cast them into hell. I'm going to beat them with a big stick. And you know all this sort of stuff. Take them into the woodshed for a good old slap. You know that's not God. He may chastise us at times when we walk in an open course of sin. But that's to bring us into line. That's to bring us into fellowship. That's to bring us back to communion with him. But God does not look at you and say, I'm finished with him. I'm finished with her. What God does is, God looks at his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, what he has done. His finished work, the precious shed blood. God is gracious, loves you anyhow. And he says, okay, you've done wrong, now get up and go on with me. That's the grace of God. And the grace of God should help us to walk with God, not to sin against God. So now that we're looked at the riches of his grace, let's look at, we'll do maybe one or two of the alphabet here and then... We'll start next week at more. While we're on Ephesians 1, we'll stay there. We'll have our first one, okay? Our first one is found in verse 6. There's actually in the end verse 5, it's the adoption. We've done that not that long ago, the adoption of children. Being adopted in means that we have a double portion. We're placed like a firstborn in the family. So when Christ is the firstborn that we have read about in Hebrews 12, we become in Christ, our lives are hidden in Christ and God, We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So all that is in Christ, all the promises of God are yea and amen in him. So all that is in him, we then take that place as it were. God looks at you through Jesus and he sees you perfect, righteous, just in his sight. Okay? So we could stay here at adoption. Let's go to another one. Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Notice that. 
wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Here is the first one. A, first one of the alphabet. A, you're accepted in the beloved. You are accepted in the beloved. Who, me? Yes, but you don't know my background. I don't need to. God does. Who, me? You don't know my past. As long as you're not a danger to anyone else, I don't need to know. God does. But you don't know the, the amount that God's had to forgive me. Well, then that's between you and God. And you're forgiven, so then you get on with it. No fishing. You are accepted. You might be, uh, you, you may find in, whether there's some people that's in their family, or whether it's in your workplace, or whether it's in your street, your neighborhood, maybe somebody won't accept you. And everybody likes to be accepted. And maybe you feel out of it, and you feel alone, and you feel vulnerable, and you feel that you're not accepted. I want to tell you something. You are accepted. You're accepted in the beloved. You are accepted in the beloved. Now, the beloved, who is the beloved, or what is the beloved? Is the beloved the church? If it's the church, dear, help us. Because you might not always be accepted. (laughs) Maybe accepted in one assembly and not being accepted in another. May not be accepted in your own assembly by some and not by others. The beloved here is the mediator of the new covenant, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the beloved. And when you and I are in Him, we are accepted in the beloved. Now, see the word here, accepted. We'll look, at it, we'll look at it a little later as well, maybe, as we go through this. It's the word charito, or charito. And it's where we get our word charity. It's where you get the word uh, charis, or charis, from. And that is the word for grace. So here the word accepted you know what it means? It means grace freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. That every time we go into God's presence, he accepts me. There's not a time I don't say, Father, and he doesn't hear me. There's not a time that I kneel down in prayer by my bedside, or whether I'm out in a field, or walking a road, or sitting in a car, or wherever we are at work, and we get a little place to ourselves, five minutes or five hours, whatever it may be, and I say, Father, or in this house praying, or when we gather together to worship and cry, Father, in the name of Jesus, there's never a time that you're not accepted. You are accepted this morning. That's why we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We come not boldly with arrogance, not with cheekiness, but we come boldly means with assurance. Assurity in our hearts that he's our father, that he loves us, his grace is upon us, and he will accept us 
in his presence. I'll tell you, when the high priest of Israel went in behind the curtain, I've told you some of this at, at Bible studies, eh? the high priest had a bell and a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate the whole way around the skirt of their garment. And they put a rope around the ankle of the high priest. And he could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year. And if God accepted him, he came out alive. But if God didn't, he could die in God's presence. Like the mountain we spoke of in Hebrews 12. And so the the high priest, he goes in. And as the high priest goes in, he takes the blood, he comes to the uh, the Ark of, the, of Testimony, the Ark of the Covenant, and here is the golden lid, the cherubims facing each other, and he sprinkles the blood upon that lid. That lid is called the mercy seat. So here we have the mercy. Here we have the blood. Here we have the high priest with the tribes of Israel in stones blazing on his shoulders and upon the breastplate of judgment. Here is judgment and Israel in judgment. Here we have Almighty God comes down between the angels or the cherubims. And when he comes down, he sees the mercy. He sees the blood. He sees the sinner. But the sinner lives. Now, when they listen behind the curtain, they would say, is he still alive? Is the high priest still alive? And they could hear him moving, walking, ministering, because the bell and the pomegranate made a noise, hitting each other. Tinkling noise. Shh. Yes, I can hear the bell and the pomegranates. He's still alive, he's still moving. And the rope was, if he died, they couldn't enter that place. They would have had to pull him out to the ankle from the, with the rope. So when that high priest was accepted because of grace and mercy and blood, the sinner is accepted and seen righteous as it were under the blood, such are you and I when we come to the throne of grace. When we come, our Lord Jesus is called the propitiation of our sin. That is the mercy seat. That's the word. Christ is that mercy seat. His blood was shed. That is the new covenant. And of course, God's glory is in Christ himself. When we come to him, we are accepted in God's presence and not consumed. That's one of the riches of the new covenant. That you and I are kings and priests unto God and we can walk into God's presence anytime, at any day, at any place that we can worship the Lord even on our own or whether we are gathered together or in a small group. It doesn't matter. We are accepted in the beloved. The word charito it means this, gives the idea to pursue with grace. You know, sometimes we think we have to try and attain something for God to love us. We have to try so hard for God to bless us. That we have to almost do a song and dance and be some great wonder in person for God to, to want to look at us. God's grace actually pursues you God pursues you every day saying I love you I want to bless you you are favoured in my sight you're my child so here the idea of we are accepted or charito 
is where we get the word grace from, and it means to pursue with grace. Listen, it means to compass with favor, to honor with blessings. So because you and I are in Christ, he pursues us with his grace. He compasses us with favor. God's working on your behalf and you don't even know it today. God is already going to place someone in your life who's going to meet up with you at what point in time and day and week. I don't know. But he's working and he's weaving it together that things will change in your life. He's wanting to bless you. He'll bring you into that line. And God is compassing you with favor. And he's honoring you with his blessing. That's what accepted in the beloved means. That's the Greek rendering for being accepted. Do you know why? Is it because we are anything? No, no, no. It is because of Jesus. It is because it is the riches of the new covenant. It is what we gain when we bow the knee at the foot of the old rugged cross. We come in repentance and in faith we receive through grace all the blessings that Christ has bestowed upon us in him. That's one of the riches of the new covenant. You are a accepted in the beloved. God wants to bless you today, let him. And people say, ah, God wouldn't be thinking about you. Sure, you're just a waste, a waste, a waste. Just this, or you're just an older person. You, listen, you're a child of God, and God wants to bless you. Only got A done. We'll go to B next week. We'll go to B next week. There's an A to Z. I'm doing that from my American friends. There's an A to Z. Some will be short, some will be longer. There's A, B, C, and we'll, we'll just be different every week. So see today, today, you're going to go home. You're driving down the road in your car. Something comes on you and you just feel your heart sinking. Say, hold on. I'm, I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm before you in love, Father, this morning. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm compassed with your favor. I'm pursued by your grace. And your grace, you know, God's grace can catch you if you're doing 70 miles an hour down the motorway. He's faster than that. By the time you get from here to the home, whether it's near or far, don't let the fouls of the air come and snatch the word of God out of your heart this morning. Don't let something happen that change your mood and your mindset. And don't think by the time you get home, well, that's that over, and you know that, that, that meeting's over now. We'll, we'll look to the next one. You know, live in what you're hearing. Take it in, and every day read this and say, "I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm accepted in Christ." All the blessings of God, all the promises of God, in him are yea and in him are amen. And they're mine this morning. And I'm going to be taken to the kingdom, to the glory of God, and sit in heavenly places with Christ, where the angels are worshipping and the elders and beasts are bowing down before him. You're not come onto that mountain this morning. You're come in grace to our Lord Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant. That's where we are this morning. Take it on board and go home saying, accepted in Christ. I'm accepted. He may not accept me or she may not accept me or they may not accept me. 
Thank you, Lord. You've accepted me. You accepted me, Lord, when I was down and out. And you accepted me when I was in my sin. And you accepted me, Lord, when I didn't want to know you. And you accepted me whenever I was dead in my trespasses and in my transgressions. And you accepted me, Lord, when I fell out with you. And you accepted me when I didn't walk with you. And you accepted me when I was lazy and didn't come to pray. And you accepted me back into your presence, Lord. Whenever I was getting up to my own things and walking my own ways, you accepted me. I am accepted. You are pursuing me with grace. You have compassed me with favor. And Lord, your blessing is all over me this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's all in Christ. It's all in him. You're accepted in the beloved. That's the riches of the new covenant, part one. And we'll carry on next week. God bless us this morning. Thank you for your attention. It's been tremendous. We're going to lift the Lord's tithe.